It's Monday, November 21st, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Hoynesy, the uh, non-tender date uh, has come and gone. Uh, the Guardians uh, non-tendered two players, uh, Anthony Ghost and Luke Maley, uh, were not offered contracts. Everybody else on the 40-man roster uh, was offered a contract. And, uh, you know, those uh, those guys who are eligible for arbitration now, I believe there are seven Guardians players remaining who are eligible for arbitration. Uh, those numbers will be exchanged uh, later on. But uh, not really a, a big, huge surprise that uh, that Ghosts and, and Melee were non-tendered. But uh, I, I guess uh, the the move sort of left us. You know, wondering uh, if there's if there's more to come here uh, in terms of reshaping this roster. Yeah, Joe. Uh, it, it, you know, like you said, not not a, a you know really any surprises there, especially since what they designated goes for assignment earlier in the week. So I guess you know uh, non tendering him is was kind of uh, you know just a paper move. But uh, you know, you when you look at the roster now, you kind of you wonder you know with uh, Austin Hedges. Being a free agent and and uh, and Maley now a free agent, you've got two rookies, basically rookies, uh, rookie catchers on the forty man in in uh, Bo Naylor and Brian Lavastida, La and uh, you know I j- I can't see him going into the season like that. So I you know obviously they're going to have to make an addition there, and you know they've they've you know Chris Antonetti has been open about saying you know they're willing to bring back either or I would. You know, Hedges or Maley, they'd be open to that. But, you know, I would think, you know, that's that's an area where if they can, they're going to improve, try to improve there and maybe, you know, lift the offense a little bit. Right. That's uh, that's the one area where it seems like a, a trade might be, uh, you know, sort of the 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 best possible move, because you want to you want something that's that's a like a known commodity or a certainty. You want to target a guy. Uh, you know, and, and it, Sean Murphy is the name that keeps coming up and that we keep hearing. But uh, the the asking price has to be too high for Sean Murphy right now. I, I got to believe. Otherwise, they would have tried to get something done at the at the deadline last year. Yeah. You know, they and they really, you know, they knocked they knocked on the door a couple times with Oakland, with uh, Murphy at the deadline. You know, they offered them different combinations of players. Uh, but, you know, this is an attractive, uh, an attractive player. You know he's young. He's controllable. He hits home runs. He's a, he's a catcher. Uh, you know he he provides offense at a position where you know not just uh, Cleveland but a lot of teams aren't getting it. You know they they're you know catching you know catchers unless you're J T. Realmuto you're not you're not really a two way player right. So you know and and a lot of teams are in on in on uh, Murphy. So you know when that happens usually uh, Cleveland falls by the wayside. Yeah, competition is not good when, uh, uh, at least it's not good for the Guardians when it comes to uh, trying to uh, land trade targets, uh, at, at least with, with recent history, if it if it serves. Uh, so that opens back up the possibility of bringing back Hedges or Maley. Uh You've got to balance, obviously, uh, you know, the Bo Naylor situation. You know, he was called up at the end of last season. Uh, didn't do much. Didn't. Re- it was more of a, you know, sort of get to know you, sort of, you know, get the feeling of being around the big league club, 
because there there really weren't very many opportunities for him uh, late in the season. But uh, he's not going to be ready to to start. I think we we all pretty much are under the same impression that uh, you know uh, unless he comes to spring training and just blows everybody's doors off, uh, there's there's not a lot of high likelihood that he's going to be on the roster uh, for opening day. Yeah, you know, I think uh, we've both talked about that. And, uh, you know, it's not, you know, I mean, they've got the youngest team in baseball and it's even younger now, right? Right with Maley and and, and and Hedges and, and Brian Shaw, you know, in, in free agency. So, you know, it's it's even yeah. younger than it was at the end of last, at the end of the season. Yeah, but don't, I, forget, I, don't forget Ghost, Ghost yeah. curve off too. He, he, had, he had a few years on him as well. Yeah, he was 33. So that's right. That's a good point. So... Um, but I, you know, I, I don't know. He would, you, 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 you're right. He, they would have to have a ton of confidence in Naylor to give him the starting job. And really, if he's not starting, he's got to be playing every day. So, you know, if, if he's not going to start in the big leagues, he's going to have to start at AAA and, you know, bring him up like, uh, you know, bring him up hopefully when he's, when he's hot, like he was last year. And bring him up during that streak where he can can hit the ground running, and uh, you know just kind of take the job from there. But you know, but being the opening day catcher, I mean, I think there's there's probably some question marks around that. I mean, it, stranger things have happened. We saw what happened with Stephen Kwan last year. You know, he came out of nowhere and 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 started from day one, and and just really never never let that spot go. And you know, maybe Bo Naylor does surprise people, and and I I just think it's such a such a premium position, and, and something that that Tito holds with in in such high regard in terms of uh, the way his catchers handle a pitching staff, and and we know that's what uh, Austin Hedges, what Luke Maley can provide them. Uh, I I just the, the offense is is just not going to be there early on. We're, we'll we'll probably see the same kind of struggles unless they go out and. You know, maybe there's a guy out there that they that they sign. I mean, we we really didn't know much about Luke Maley when they when they signed him, uh, you know, prior to the season is really their only, uh, you know, free agent signing last year. Uh, I, I I guess, you know, maybe there's a guy like Maley out there that they can bring in uh, to, with a little bit more experience to to sort of put the, the put the trust of the the pitching staff in. But but Hedges and Maley are the guys that that know these these pitchers backwards, forwards, and inside out. Yeah, uh, and uh, you know Wilson Contreras is out there. Is you know he's probably the the big name free agent catcher, uh, you know offensive minded catcher. But you know I guess there's some questions about his defense. So you know I I just can't see them bringing in a, a, a bat first you know, catcher, I, you know they're gonna like you said you know they they rely so much on their catchers to you know, carry the pitching staff, control the running game, um, and, you know, just do, you know, give themselves up, give their at-bats up to uh, make the pitching better. So you got to get it. I would think you'd have to get a guy like that, you know, bring him in if if that's if that's the move they make. Uh, any other, uh, you know, non-tender day, uh, you know, moves or, or non-moves that, that surprised you? I mean, did anybody survive? Uh, non-tender day that that you thought maybe had a had a better chance of of not getting a contract offer from the Guardians. You know, I I thought maybe they'd try to work a trade or or you know maybe try to. I thought maybe they'd offer Maley a contract, 
you know, kind of a take it or leave it kind of deal. And I don't know if maybe perhaps they did and mainly just turned it down and and preferred to go free agent. But uh, other than that, you know, I, 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 they really, you know, I, I'm not surprised, you know, Bieber, Rosario, Quantrill, uh, Josh Naylor, Polisak, Savali, Karen check, you know, those were the other, uh, you know, arbitration eligible guys. And, uh, you know, they all, all received contracts. And I don't think there was a surprise in there, Joe. Were you, uh, you, would you agree with that? No, and I, I guess, uh, you know, the, the name that jumps out in terms of guys on the roster who, who might have had like a, a lackluster season and, 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 you know, you would think maybe they, uh, there isn't maybe necessarily room for them next year, like an Owen Miller. Uh, maybe they would have non-tendered him, but you know, maybe there's still something there that they like that they they want to see, uh, or like maybe they're they're still thinking about packaging somebody in a in a trade. Uh, they've they've got those pieces now still uh, under their control. Uh, they do have 39 on the the 40 man roster. That means there's one open spot uh, when they do get to the Rule Five draft. If they if they like somebody and want to take somebody, you know, maybe there's another Trevor Steffen out there that they can. Uh, uh, you know, swipe from a, a, a club that's been exposed and then they uh, they can uh, get a guy and, and have the same results that they did with uh, with Trevor. That would be tremendous. But uh, that's just another way that a club like the Guardians can can build uh, if they if they're committed to that formula, like uh, like like Chris Antonetti was when they took Trevor Stefan and they said, OK, we're going to stow him on the on the big league roster for a season and you know, live with his results uh, at that point. And then uh, once he made it through, he he turned out the, the next year to be, you know, one of the best relievers in the American League. Yeah, that's always an avenue. Uh, and it certainly paid off uh, with uh, uh, Trevor Steffen, uh, you know, so it's an, always an avenue for a team, you know, that that's not trying to, that's not going to, you know, break the bank on free agents to, uh, you know, if you if you identify a guy and your scouts have done a great job, uh, you know th- those kind of guys can help you. And uh, if not, you always you can you can return the player for you know half the uh, drafting price. So it's kind of a you know a win win situation. Yeah, this is the this is the way that the uh, the Guardians win is they they find alternative ways to to build that roster and and find the uh, the the hidden gem type players and. Uh, it's like uh, like Brad Pitt in Moneyball. He says we're uh, we're bean counters at the table. We're uh, we're we're the guys looking for the uh, the alternate ways to to sort of uh, you know make things work. And uh, it, it so far last year it it, it definitely landed. Uh, it it will be uh, difficult to repeat that same uh, success next year, but we'll uh, we'll see how they're able to do it. All right, uh, we did want to talk uh, a, a little bit of Hall of Fame today. Uh, the ballots for the uh, National Baseball Hall of Fame and Museum uh, induction, uh, the class of 2023, uh, the ballots went out in the mail today. They are due uh, by, what, December 31st uh, in, in Cooperstown. Uh, voters have to fill them out and return them. They still do it by uh, by paper ballot with uh, with uh, pen and paper and, and mailing the ballots back. It's uh, uh, sort of a old school uh, traditional way to do it. Uh, not like uh, you know the the awards we all vote. It's all digital. You get an email, you respond to the email with the link, and and you you fill out the names uh, electronically. 
but the, uh, the the voting process is still the the same way it's been for for several years with a paper ballot. Hoinsey, uh, the the old school guys still holding on to that. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. And you know, they they brought in a company to count the votes and uh, make sure everything is on the up and up. This is like uh, you know, like Big Brother is watching when you're voting for these guys now. So uh, very interesting. Well, yeah, I mean. It's not like we're in a red state where uh, you know they don't trust the uh, the voting process <laughs> if it's uh, if it's electronic, I guess. Uh, uh, but you know maybe maybe there's something to that. Uh, it's just uh, uh, and occasionally you'll you'll see the guys uh, post photos of their uh, uh, their ballots on Twitter, or there's a you know a couple of uh, uh, Twitter accounts that that track the ballots as they come in, and uh, that's always a, a fun process to to watch. But uh, we were talking. Uh, there's uh, there's not really too many first year eligible guys on on this year's ballot who who we think have a chance uh, in their first year of eligibility uh, to be elected. Uh, you mentioned Carlos Beltran as a, as a guy who's a, a you know maybe the closest possibility in, ter- in terms of being deserving of it. Yeah, you know Carlos, uh, this is his first year of eligibility. Uh, 435 home runs. 279 lifetime batting average, nine-time All-Star, Rookie of the Year. Uh, you know, pr- a pretty impressive resume. Except that last year in in Houston, Joe uh, kind of dragged him down a little. He's you know he has that he's been attached to the cheating scandal with with the Astros. He was uh, you know in line to be the manager of the Mets, and uh, they let him go because of that before he even managed the game. So we'll have to see how that. Uh, if that follow follows him onto the ballot, a couple other guys, two, two of my favorite guys that uh, played for Cleveland, Johnny Peralta and Mike Napoli are on the ballot, and I don't think they're going to Cooperstown, but it's good. It's fun to see their names on the ballot. Yeah, that's uh, that's always a, a, a sort of a neat thing to see any guys with Cleveland connections uh, who are are there and and, and eligible. Uh, Francisco Rodriguez also a, a guy. Uh, uh, six-time All-Star, 16 seasons for the the Angels and the you know several other teams, uh, but you know had had uh, the single-season saves record in 2008. Uh, you know he's maybe a guy who who could deserve uh, consideration. I don't know if maybe you know first-year guy, but uh, you know a possibility there uh, during some point uh, that that he might get in down the road. Yeah, when he, uh, you know, he helped the Angels. He kind of came out of the, nowhere and helped the Angels won, win the World Series in 2002. And Joe, he he was the first guy you would you could see from the press box. He would throw that frisbee slider, and it, it was impossible to hit. I mean, I I don't, you know, and he, I mean, he pitched for a long time, saved a lot of games. You know, closers kind of have a tough time when it comes to. Uh, you know, getting in the Hall of Fame, I think that's changed a little bit lately. But, you know, certainly, you know, a guy that, that you, we should dive into, the voters should dive into and and check out and, and give a do, make, do their due diligence with it, with his career. Yeah. yeah, closers can have a tough time getting in. But when the num- when the numbers are overwhelming, uh, they, they sort of, uh, you know, sort of have to get in. Uh, this guy had 437 saves. Uh, he ranks fourth all time in terms of saves. So uh, I think, uh, you know, a guy who ranks that high in terms of the all time save list, uh, you know, certainly worthy. But, uh, yeah, this is this is a ballot that, uh, you know, 
last year, I I believe it was David Ortiz uh, was the was he the only uh, player elected by the writers? Yeah, in he terms was. Of, uh, and the year before that, they they didn't elect anybody. So, uh, you know, it, it's it's been a slow go. It's been a a, a, a slow drip in terms of uh, guys getting in over the last couple of seasons. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know, do, do the, do the ballots, uh, you know, come in guys, are they electing or are they, are they voting for fewer than the, uh, uh, the 10 possible? What's some of the different voting philosophies? Uh, are they keeping, uh, you know, guys sort of on the fence here? Well, you know, I don't know, Joe, I think, uh, you know, Schilling, I think would have been voted in if he, if he didn't sabotage himself and, you know, basically challenge the writers not to vote for him. You know, he's on the uh, contemporary era, era committee ballot, you know, which will be decided on the first day of the winter meetings in December. But, you know, I think he, sh- he would have been voted in uh, yeah, uh, last year, at least his final year on the ballot. What he was at, what, 71% or some darn thing. And, and then, uh, you know, Bonds and Clemens and, and Schilling, you know, uh, you know, Bonds and Clemens, the two kind of, you know, the steroid guys that really kind of, uh, you know, weren't the writers just weren't going to vote them in. It's, you know, so may, they're off the ballot now. So maybe that opens things up a little bit and, uh, you know, gives writers, you know, uh, a, a chance to look at, you know, the, the other players on the ballot, you know, and, uh, you know, kind of, you know, you're, you're not fighting yourself anymore, you know, battling your, your conscience. Do you vote for steroids guys or, or not? It's, it's, in, it's in the lap of somebody else now. Yeah. Does, without those guys being there, um, it, it, does it really change people's fly? We, we really haven't seen uh, too many other uh, steroid era guys, uh, you know, become eligible over the last several years. Does, have 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 voters maybe softened on some of those guys? Uh, not necessarily the the headliners, like you said, Bonds and Clemens, and that. But uh, are there are there other guys who who could possibly get in? Well, you know, I you know Bonds and Clemens, I think you know bowed out about sixty five percent of the vote last year. Um, you know, Manny Ramirez is still in there. He he trends right around twenty five thirty percent. So, uh, you know, what, you know, and he's, you know, obviously he's one of the few guys that tested positive that, that, you know, we have a legitimate positive test on Manny. And, uh, you know, so I don't see him, you know, I don't, I don't see his, his vote total, you know, taking a big jump, but, you know, the voting, I think has, has changed as, as the, the, the voting body gets younger, you know, I think, uh, the, uh, you know, the, the, there are, there are a number of writers that uh you know have have looked at it differently they they don't think it's uh you know their opinion is in the steroid era everybody was doing it and uh you, you know sh- you should judge the players accordingly and uh you know i i'm not one of those guys i think if you cheat you cheat but uh you know i think you know that's why you saw you know uh you know clemens and and uh and Clemens and and uh, uh, Bonds to vote total, you know, increase a little bit, you know, and and get and bump up against sixty sixty five percent before they fell off the ballot. Yes, last year. Yeah, the the guy that I'm I'm specifically thinking about is Alex Rodriguez. Uh, he'll be in his second year of eligibility on the the ballot. Uh, you know, obviously a uh, uh, known steroids guy. Uh, do you think uh, his chances get any better as as he gets? 
later in the process. And I guess, you know, we saw that sort of uh, sympathy sort of start to drum up uh, for guys like Bonds and Clemens. And, and as they got closer to the end there of their eligibility on the ballot, uh, do you think uh, you know, the longer that Rodriguez stays on the ballot, the the better his chance? I don't know. I mean, he doesn't have, I mean, great player, great hitter, but, uh, you know, he's another guy that tested positive, right? I mean, and we have a legitimate positive test on him with the, with the, you know, I, you know, there's some people that, you know, um, kind of said, well, you know, Bonds and Clemens never, never had a positive test, didn't test positive. So, you know, we could, you know, they could, uh, find a way to vote for him, but, a-Rod's been suspended twice, so tough call there. Right, uh, but, you know, there's there are parts of A-Rod that, that are hard to overlook. Uh, 295 career batting average, 31-15, uh, 3,115 hits, uh, 696 home, run, uh, home runs. Uh, I, I, I just think uh, if if they were looking for ways to, to try and, and, and vote uh, Bonds and Clemens in, uh, I think uh, he, he becomes a more sympathetic character as they uh, as they get closer to uh, the, his at the end of his eligibility on the on the ballot. Uh, it might be a few years, but I think he'll he'll gain some more momentum. And and there are you're right. The, the younger uh, as the, the as the voting you know population trends a little younger, there will be guys who, who grew up just idolizing a rod and and will will want to vote for him regardless of of what his uh you know past flaws have been yeah and uh, you know definitely a great hitter a hall of fame hitter a guy that like so many other of these guys he didn't need to cheat joe i mean he was talented enough where he should be in the you know he, he should be a first ballot hall of famer you know there should be no question about that but i just you know, I just think this is a guy, you know, if you're if you're if you use the excuse that, you know, Bonds and Clemens, you know, played in the steroid era where everybody was cheating and testing what didn't come really come into uh, play until what, 2005, 2006, somewhere around in there. And they never tested positive. OK, you know, maybe you give yourself a path to vote for those guys. But with A-Rod, I mean, he took a year suspension. MLB suspended this guy for over a year, you know, because of his his role in, in steroids. So, you know, I mean, I don't know. It's just, you know, you can you can vote any way you want. But for me, I think it's an open and shut case. If I'm not voting for Clemens or, or Bonds, I'm not voting for A-Rod either. Well, there you have it. Uh, Hoinsey with his position on it. Uh, no A-Rod. We, we know where he stands. No, I'm kidding. Uh, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty obvious, uh, that there are other guys like that. You talk about Andy Pettit, uh, another guy who, who was, uh, you know, known, known user and he's still on the, the list as well. So yeah, there are a lot of issues for a, a lot of different guys who are, are, are still eligible and will still appear on the ballot. Uh, Omar Vizquel, uh, another one we've, we've talked at length, uh, on this podcast about his, uh, his dip in, um, sort of, uh, I don't know, I don't want to say popularity, but, but his, uh, decline ever since the, uh, abuse allegations against him, uh, you know, came to light. Uh, yeah, I, I think there's uh, a lot of different guys uh, that, uh, and, and, you know, Omar signed what is his sixth year of eligibility. 
Uh, he certainly has the credentials, but there's the, you know, other other issues that that might sort of prevent him. Uh, Scott Rowland uh, seemed to be getting some uh, some momentum and some some backing as a guy who's a, a, a potential candidate here. Uh, but I think he might need a couple more years uh, uh, on the ballot before he, get, he gets to go. Uh, Mark Burley, Tory Hunter, uh, each in their third year of eligibility. Uh, guys who who could uh, you know see a see a significant jump. Uh, anybody else on that list that you you see might uh, might take a might might not get in this year, but might take a significant jump uh, and and get close enough to to maybe getting in. You know maybe like a, a Billy Wagner who's in his his eighth year of eligibility. That's a a guy or a Jeff Kent. Uh, they might uh, see a, a a jump in their percentage enough to to get them close. And and I think. You know, we've seen once they get close, uh, there's an extra bump the following year uh, that that might get them in. So uh, it, it's it's kind of funny the way that these the, these voting trends go uh, from year to year, uh, and, and it's it's fun to fun to track. Uh, we also have to uh, keep in mind, uh, like you mentioned, the contemporary baseball era ballot. Uh, Albert Bell, along with Bonds, Clemens, Don Mattingly, Fred McGriff, Dale Murphy, Rafael Palmero, Kurt Schilling. Uh, you know, one or more of them could be voted in uh, by that 16-member committee. Uh, that'll be announced at the winter meetings, uh, along with the results of the Ford C. Frick Award. Uh, and that's, uh, you know, Cleveland's Tom Hamilton is is one of the finalists there. Uh, there's, you know, several broadcasters, including Dwayne Kuyper, uh, on that list. All guys who, who could get in uh, to the Hall of Fame and and uh, have their uh, their ticket punched for Cooperstown uh, as well. Uh, so yeah, there's a there's a lot going on, and uh, the um, uh, the Hall of Fame is is it's still the Hall of Fame. It's still the, one of the greatest honors in in in, in baseball. Uh, I think uh, uh, you know it, it's interesting to to track what happens and 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 you know who who will be the next face and the the next name uh, that we see. Uh, get in there with a, with a Cleveland connection. Yeah, I'd love to see Hammy get in. I think he's well deserving. Uh, you know, just uh, it, that'd be great. I mean, uh, I think you know he's done it for a long time. He's you know he's he's really you know he, he's a professional. He's you know spot on, day in day out. Uh, that would be that would be great. That would be that would be a you know that's. You can't, you know, it doesn't get much better, like you said, Joe, than, than getting, getting into the Hall of Fame. Well, if you watch enough uh, uh, Major League Baseball, the MLB Network, uh, if you watch it enough, they, they use enough of his uh, his calls and his sound uh, on their, their network broadcasts uh, with their highlights and their packages. Uh, you know, he's, he's got a Hall of Fame voice. He's got a Hall of Fame call. Uh, I think uh, all he all he needs now is the, uh, is the T-shirt and cap. <laughs> I think he... Uh, <laughs> He just uh, just needs to get in there. That would be that would be uh, they would shut things down, man, uh, in Cleveland. They'd send a whole group out there to 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 see Hammy into the Hall of Fame. Uh, and and one day he will be. I don't think there's a there's a doubt that that he'll be in the uh, in, in Cooperstown. All right. That's going to wrap up today's edition of the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. We'll uh, be back with you on Wednesday to wrap up the week before the holiday. Uh, and then it's uh, then it's turkey time. Hoinsey, uh, favorite meal of the year. So. We'll uh, we'll talk a little bit of cranberry sauce on uh, on Wednesday for sure. <laughs> All right, Joe.